Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome back to another spellbinding episode of College Football Sports Tonight. And Mike, why can't I say that name right? I always say it backwards. Maybe we need to change the name of the show so I can get it right. Or maybe you just need to go from spellbinding to scintillating because I think we are going to have a scintillating episode oh, today. Nice way to bail me out. Thank you. And that scintillating guy talking is Mike Lowe, our college football expert from Baltimore Sports and Life. And Mike, it was indeed a scintillating week last week. I don't think we're overselling that by a single iota. Um, of course, the, the big game, uh, was the big of the biggest, the biggest of the big, geez, was um, Alabama-Tennessee. And boy, what a, what a classic, what a, what a drama that whole game was. Well, I mean, gosh, it was just a day. Um, and, you know, we had, we had the six matchups of top 25 teams. Um, you know, the first one was a dud. Um, and then you get into the next window, and it, you just had, I think it was four of them going on at once. And I only have, <laughs> I only had three screens on which to watch football. Only three screens. Yeah. Only, only, yes. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know, you had uh, you know a couple other games that were just okay, uh, but the three games, um, you know, you had Alabama, Tennessee, uh, TCU, Oklahoma State, and then finally for the nightcap, uh, the Utah USC game. Just three terrific games. You know, maybe when this season is said and over, we'll look back and say, you know, those were three of the top five or ten games in the entire season. Um, just. To have, to have all that in one day was just unbelievable, and you know, I'm just, I was just felt like I was drained at the end of the day after all of that. Um, just really quite a day, and you know, I I know not everybody likes college football, but on Saturday at the end of the day, I actually felt sorry for the people who don't like college football because you're really missing out. They really did miss it. Well, I was telling my wife about the Alabama Tennessee game, and she loves high scoring games. I'm like. Yeah, you the game. whole day. Right. Yeah, all four or all three of those games, and it, it was remarkable, you know. And each of them, the lower the lower ranked team won. Uh, in yeah. each of them, the team that won uh, was trailing in the fourth quarter, and in every one of them, you know, both teams scored at least forty points. Yeah, and, that's and, crazy. And that's just unbelievable. So, you know, not only if you like drama, but if you like offense and lots of scoring. Well, the know, only Saturday was your day. The only drawback that, that my wife found of that was, like, wow, that's great. Yeah, but the game took about four hours to play. Yeah, you, you like, got to carve out. The, you, oh. you pretty much. Yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna lose your whole day. But but you know you you really in a game like that if you get drawn into it you're not looking at the clock. You're looking at the clock to say, hey, how many, how many more times do they, are they going to be able to score? Two minutes left? Okay, so I think each team's got time for a couple more touchdowns. So what should we take away from that Alabama-Tennessee beyond just the, the amazing excitement for, for both sides provided? 
Well, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Tennessee is a team to be reckoned with. Um, you know, when we previewed that game, you know, I talked about how, you know, they had an elite offense and they were going up against an elite defense. And usually when you get those matchups, they tend to favor the offense. That certainly was the case this time. Um, I mean, easily. It, it was, I, it, you know, I, I said Tennessee would have the edge and I thought they would get theirs. I didn't imagine they would get theirs to the tune of 52 points. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, for a little historical stat here, 52 points is the most points a Nick Saban coach team has given up since he was at Michigan State, uh, which was late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to do a little reaching there to find that stat. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we've always known – uh, you know, this season and really last season too, um, you know, as good as Alabama's defense is, there's some vulnerabilities and the way you beat them is to be able to attack them deep. And if you can do that, then that's going to loosen up a lot of other things for you. And uh, my gosh, you know, I, I wrote about it in Baltimore Sports and Life. I bet Alabama's secondary is still having nightmares of the back of Jalen Hyatt's jersey. Um, because that's all they saw all day is the back of his jersey, it seems like. And, you know, Tennessee was just, they were just the right opponent to be able to take it to them, and that's what they did. Um, Obviously, Alabama did not help themselves. 17 penalties. Um, That's that's an all-time school record. And this continues a trend with them that, you know, I've talked about repeatedly here is their struggles on the road. This dates back to last season, but, you know, it certainly has come to bear this season um, with penalties. Uh, You know, they had 15 at Texas. Uh, 10 at Arkansas, and 17 Saturday. They actually lead the country um, in the number of penalties um, overall, and they may even lead on a per-game basis. But it's all because of the road, because they are only averaging around six, which isn't great, but it's certainly not terrible when they're playing at home. You know, something just happens to them on the road. And I know, you know, you have that thing where, okay, it's Alabama, so you know every stadium you walk into is going to be hostile, it's going to be loud. Um, You know, your opponent is, you're going to get their very best shot. They're going to empty the kitchen sink. But, you know, that's kind of been that way with them for years. And, you know, I, I don't recall seeing them struggle this badly on the road the way they have over the past couple of seasons. And so, it, you know, it's just kind of a head-scratcher. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I know it, it's hard to play on the road, and I don't want to underestimate that. Um, we, just, we just haven't seen those kind of chinks in Alabama's armor uh, until, you know, just uh, you know, starting last year. I've got another uh, stat for you that I learned, um, that this was the first time a top three team had ever scored 49 points and lost, as many as 49 and lost. I'm sure that I mean we could go and pull all kinds of unique oh, stats out of out yeah. of that game. Um, gosh, yeah, and, and you know the amazing thing, and you know I know we'll get into this with our Heisman talk, and somehow Alabama was just a missed field goal away from winning that game. Right, uh, but the other side of it is after 17 penalties, Tennessee had to pull it out on a the most god awful game winning looking 
game-winning kick you're ever yeah, going to see. My that's, uh, <laughs> that's one of those um, function over form right. <laughs> kind right. of arguments. Yeah. No one was he got the, he got the job done, and yes. this is the same kicker who missed an extra point earlier. So uh, right, now, all that mattered is it went but, through uh, barely, but, but that's all that mattered. And and of course, uh, you know, for Alabama's kicker, that's the second straight game where you know he he kind of had the yips because he missed two the week before yeah. you know, against Texas A and M, uh, and yeah, then then missed the game winner there. Well, isn't that one of the biggest differences that I've found between the pro game and the college game still is uh, the pro game's kickers, so many of them are virtually automatic. College is a lot more exciting oh, than yeah. goals. Yeah. <laughs> Even extra points, it can be an adventure sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nothing is automatic in the college game. Uh, yeah, that's and it's... It makes you wonder. It's like, well, where does the NFL find these kickers? And yeah, you know, it's you know, you hear uh, you hear Justin Tucker talk about it. Um, you know, as to why you know he's as good as he is, and he's like, just practice, practice, practice. And he's like, when we're in practice, and you know, he talks about. It's not just him, it's his team. And by the team, I mean, you know, specifically his snapper and his holder. The three of them are just, they are one, you know, synergistic, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and, you know, he said, we treat every single practice kick like it's a game winner. Every kick we do in practice, that's how we treat it. And, you know, at the college level, you know, we, we sometimes forget they, they don't necessarily have the opportunity to do it like that. Um, you know, these are college students, and even though they're making money now with NIL and stuff like that, they still have to do college student things. They have to go to classes. They have to go to study halls. They have to write papers. They have, they have to, to study party. for exams. Yeah. They have to do all those things. Yeah, and so that's all together. That. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, kegger, kegger handstand or headstands, whatever. But, you know, it, those are all, you know, hours that they're not spending on their craft. Right. And, you know, I think we kind of lose sight of that. And, you know, that kind of repetition, especially when you're talking about something like kicking a field goal, matters. Well, and so much of kicking is mental and, you know, the maturity that, that sure. you just get from... from and, yeah, that. Years. And, you know, the more you're in pressure situations, the more you're able to adapt and, you know, kind of function outside of that. And, you know, that doesn't impact, you know, your, your muscle memory. Right. Well, so what do we take from uh, this game regarding Alabama or... Are they? Do you see still see them? I know logistically they are still a serious contender for the college playoff, but do you see them really as a serious contender still? Um, I think so. I think it's more like um, you know a lot of people thought they would be more like the 2020 Alabama team coming into this season than the one we saw last year. You know, 2020 they just dominated the field and rolled to the championship. Last year, it was more of a struggle. Um, uh, 
again, a lot of people, I think, thought they would be more like the 2020 team. And as it turns out, they're more like the 2021 team. Um, and maybe yeah. not as good as the 2021 team. Um, maybe. maybe. Bryce Young is still Bryce Young. Um, he does, uh, I don't think he has the elite receiver. He doesn't have a Jamison Williams. Um, you know, he doesn't really have a Jonathan Mechie. Um, but yeah, he still manages to make it happen. And I think as long as they have him and he's healthy, I still think they're kind of in that, you know, elite tier of teams they're just not up there by themselves um you know there's any one of a number of teams that can knock them off um so i you know i think that's kind of where they are and you know that's that's kind of what you want that means there's a little bit of parity in the sport and so i I think that's what just about any non-alabama fan would want to see right well and you've got to give the tennessee students credit uh they did get that those goalposts completely out of the stadium and got him all and the way into the water, into the water, and then out of the water, and then they got took him up the front row, and and people showed up with saws, which is a little scary, and started sawing pieces of it, and a lot of people now have a little piece of a goalpost that they'll never forget. Well, I hope they were, um, you know, they used their good business sense and sold it. Well, I didn't check eBay, <laughs> but you know, okay. you know, they had to pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, but there were two other fascinating games. One of them uh, on on your coast there, that UCLA, uh, or excuse me, not UCLA, the USC and Utah game. And uh, Utah was like, "Hey, don't bury us yet, guys." Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was quite a game. Uh, Utah trailed that entire game until there were forty eight seconds left on the clock. Um, that was when they finally took their first lead. Uh, it was. You know, it looked like USC was just going to run away with that one early on. And, you know, Utah kind of got their offense rolling just enough to stay within shouting distance. Um, You know, this one came down to several factors. One, USC's defense kind of was who we thought they were. Um, I was thinking of you when I saw that score. You've been talking about it since August. They were very leaky. Um, you know, one of the things that they had been successful at uh, was creating turnovers. Um, they only had one of those all game, although it was a pretty big one. It was, you know, Utah was about to score and they fumbled. They really should have had two. They had that interception that, uh, that got negated by that horrible uh, roughing the passer call. And, um, but, you know, the turnovers weren't there. And, uh, gosh... Cam Rising, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't cover Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, who had 16 receptions for, I think it was 234 yards. Um, Yeah, they just struggled with him all day long. And, uh, you know, Utah just kept absorbing the blows from uh, USC's offense and hung in there. And I think they scored touchdowns on five of their last six drives. And uh, the one that they didn't was the one that I mentioned where they fumbled pretty close to uh, the goal line. And, yeah, that was uh, quite a game to watch. And, um, you know, it kind of, uh, 
it's it's a big game in the conference um, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, a lot of people saw USC as maybe the Pac-12's best chance to get a team into playoff. Um, that's obviously in jeopardy now, not just for USC, but really the whole conference. Because, um, you know, the, their hopes kind of rest on UCLA now. Um, and we'll talk about that later. Um yeah, you know, Utah, they're a, they are a tough team to play at home. And so I I actually had them um, both uh, winning straight up and covering the spread. They didn't cover the spread, but they got the win. And so I wasn't surprised by what we saw. Well, then the other uh, big game you alluded to, the, the three amazing games of the weekend, was Oklahoma State and TCU. And hey, people need to stop sleeping on TCU. That is a yeah. serious football team. It is. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned how Utah never had a lead until 48 seconds left. Well, you know, TCU never had a lead at all in regulation. Uh, they were behind something like 24-7 to 7, um, in the first half. And then, not at halftime, but at some point in the first half, they were down 24-7. to 7, and then even going into the fourth quarter, they were down by 14 points. Um, but, you know, they just kept storming back. We know Oklahoma State's defense is very suspect, and so it's no surprise that they were able to do what they did. You know, the difference in that game was TCU's defense. When they got to that second overtime, they just managed to force Oklahoma State to have to settle for a field goal. And that's what it came down to because TCU got the ball. And, you know, I was kind of flipping back and forth at that point and, um, you know, just got to see them. You know, I think it took six plays for them to get in the end zone. And uh, that was it. And, um, you know, Max Duggan had another big game. Um, you know, the, the Big 12, uh, you know, again, kind of like the Pac-12. Uh, you know, these top teams just seem to kind of be cannibalizing one another. And right. so that's right. going to make it hard for both conferences to get a team in the playoff this year. But it makes for some really exciting viewing. It, it does. And now TCU is, is the main hope that the Big 12 has. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, the only other undefeated team in conference is Kansas State, who, by the way, they played this weekend. But Kansas State had that loss to Tulane. Yeah. Um, that's gonna be hard. That is. That is. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, one of our uh, big games this weekend to preview. Okay. Well, so how did that shake out your top ten there, Mike? Imagine there were a few right. changes. Uh, there was, yeah, there was some movement. So uh, I kept Georgia at number one. Um, I still have Ohio State number two. Uh, Tennessee, I bumped up to number three, uh, followed by Clemson, Michigan. Uh, I have Ole Miss. Uh, I moved TCU up. Uh, they're number seven. Sorry. Um, yeah, Michigan five, Ole Miss six, TCU seven, Alabama. I slid all the way down to number eight. Uh, and I have UCLA ninth and Oregon number 10. Okay, our top nine is, has the same teams, a little bit shuffled. Uh, I left Georgia and Ohio State at 1-2, and I kept Michigan at 3. Um, I know that wasn't particularly impressive with them beating uh, Penn State, but they did really dominate that game, and I didn't think that uh, they had done quite enough to let Tennessee jump them yet. 
Uh, yeah. Because Alabama did have to make a lot of mistakes for Tennessee to have a chance to win that game. So I took Tennessee at four and Clemson at five. Uh, TCU at six. I'm liking them a little more than you are. Uh, Alabama at seven. UCLA at eight. I'm real skeptical still on Ole Miss at nine. And then I left Oklahoma State at ten. And I was I was between Oklahoma State and Oregon. So uh, can't really debate much with that. And I'll, I'll toss you out an upset pick. I think one of the next two weeks, Ole Miss is going to lose. They are playing. Um, who are they playing this? I know they're playing. Well, they, they they have to go to LSU this weekend, right. and I know you know usually after we do our biggest games, we you know we kind of look at the schedule, and that's another one you know that um, almost two ranked teams, LSU. If you extended the 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 polls, they would actually be twenty seventh based on the number of votes they got. Uh, so that's almost a uh, six uh, you know head to head ranked teams. Um, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Um, very interesting game. I, uh, you know, I'm not ready to start, um, you know, making uh, plans for a big uh, Ole Miss Alabama game, which I think uh, I think they play Please. November, yeah, November twelfth. I think it is. Is yeah. I, I, I don't think Ole Miss is going to make it there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure. And honestly, I at this point, I don't know that Ole Miss is. Uh, is constructed in a way that is conducive to beating Alabama anyway, but you know, they, they would have to get there first. Right. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's, uh, certainly a game to keep an eye on. Um, it's, I think it's the CBS three thirty game in fact. So, uh, you know, good, sense. uh, yeah. Well, let's take the talk a little bit, uh, about the Heisman. We haven't really said much about it as, as the, uh, early season when we, we pretty much had our top three of uh, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Caleb Williams. Now, Caleb Williams has not played poorly, but he's just kind of been leapfrogged yeah. by a few players, most especially Hendon Hooker. And mm -hmm. uh, The Athletic uh, had a poll of their many college football writers uh, of who would win the Heisman at this point. And Hooker was a runaway winner. He was close to unanimous. And, and I take uh, it this was was this poll taken after Saturday's game? Yes, it was. Okay. Yes, it was. Yeah. So maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, little bit of recency bias there, yeah. maybe. That, that, nothing against Hendon Hooker. I think he Ooh. should be a candidate. Um, maybe a little bit of recency bias there. Yeah, um, and, um, yeah, I would imagine, you know, C.J. Stroud had to be near the top. Um, he was second and Bryce Young was third. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bryce Young, I think, is going to have a hard time winning it um, just because, you know, several factors, none of which are really on him. But uh, for one, I think there's just a tendency that, uh, you know, the people that vote don't necessarily, you know, want to give somebody else a chance um yeah and, and i think when people kind of look at him this year they're they're going to be measuring him against not just everybody else this year but against him last yeah. year yeah and it's almost like he's going to have to uh you know be better than he was statistically last year if he were to win it this year and right now 
Now, when you look at, you know, kind of things like uh, QBR and completion percentage, he's right about pretty much the same as where he was last year, but his raw numbers are down. Obviously, a big part of that is he missed a game and a half um, with the shoulder sprain. Um, so he, he's probably not going to come anywhere close to the raw numbers he put up last year. Um, so, yeah, not that he doesn't deserve it. I mean, clearly, he, you know, they're not anywhere close to winning, potentially winning that Tennessee game. Um, you know, we saw they nearly lost at home to Texas A&M without him. Um, you know, the Texas game, they probably lose that game without Bryce Young. All things in the question, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, clearly it, he is his team's most valuable player, maybe the most valuable player of any top team in college football. Does that mean you're the Heisman winner? Maybe not. Um, you know, that goes to the best, not necessarily most valuable. Um, and it kind of got me into this rabbit hole. Um, so I, I decided I would go kind of and look back at, um, you know, guys who, who won the Heisman Trophy and then were playing in college the next season. Okay. Uh, the most recent one was Lamar Jackson. And his numbers um, the season after he won it, they didn't fall off that bad. Um, they, they really didn't fall off much at all. And it was but Louisville didn't win as many games. And um, the thing about that is he lost a lot of the offensive, a lot of his best offensive players around him had moved on. And so, you know, I, I think that was kind of part of it. Then you had, you know, going farther back, there was Johnny Manziel and um, who was after him? Hold on. I think I have this. Da, 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 right in front of me, yeah. Manziel, oh, Jameis Winston. And, um, you know, he fell off a little bit in 2014. Florida State still got back to the college football playoff that year, but they only made it to the semifinal. And Winston had a really bad game, I remember, in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. Florida State turned it over like six times that day. But that wouldn't have factored in because the Heisman vote happens before then. Um, so then I got to looking uh, at Archie Griffin, uh, because he is the only one who has ever won two Heismans. Uh, he won it his junior and senior season, so 74 and 75. And so I looked at him like, okay, well, how did he do this? He had to have been, you know, better the next year. Mm-mm, not even close. Uh, his number, you know, I don't, I was... I was alive, but a little too young to, you know, to really remember or to have paid attention to college football at the time. Um, his numbers actually fell off significantly uh, from his junior to senior year. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, nobody else had a good season that year. So I went and looked that up. No, there were at least four or five other guys, running backs alone, that you could have made a much stronger case for. Um, than him, like Tony Dorsett, uh, Ricky Bell. I mean, all of those guys had better seasons than he yeah. did. And, you know, again, this, uh, this was an era when the award went to running backs. I think during that, uh, you know, his two years, that was a stretch of like, I think, 11 straight seasons where a running back won the Heisman. So it was a running back era. So I, I didn't look too deep into the quarterbacks. Um, 
but you know, I, I think maybe what happened there with Griffin was, you know, it was his senior year. The numbers went down, but maybe I, I think you know his numbers were enough that he set a lot of all-time NCAA records, and so maybe they just kind of looked at it as a lifetime achievement award and gave it to him anyway. I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I didn't. I don't remember. I think he was the first Heisman Trophy winner to come back and play the next year because he was, was the he? first junior yeah. winner. And I don't think they knew what to do with him. You know, it's like, well, we, you know, almost like it would be an insult if we didn't give it to him again because he's still there and he's still good. And, yeah, I think that plus uh, some combination, because I am old enough to remember him playing. Um, but, yeah, it was nothing spectacular. I, I, I think Dorsett absolutely should have gotten it that year. Yeah, I, I, he had a terrific season. Dorsett yes, did. And, and uh, you also had... Uh, Chuck Muncie at California, who, uh, you know, he ran more yards, more yards per carry, more touchdowns. Yeah, Dorsett, um, he was the second leading rusher in the country. Um, he had more touchdowns. And uh, Ricky Bell at USC, he was the leading rusher uh, that season. Um, by far, he had almost 2,000 yards in just 12 games. So, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, you just, yeah, I, I, I think... It was just probably just one of those things where, like you said, it's like, well, he's the rain guy. We got to give it to him again. I think, you know, I do think part of it probably would have been, hey, he just offset all these, you know, career records. So yeah. let's make it a lifetime achievement award as well, which probably didn't make some of those other guys very happy. I know Tony Dorsett eventually got it anyway. Well, and um, I think you missed somebody, uh, Matt Leiner. Uh, he That's right, yeah, he returned, and then uh, the next year, uh, his teammate, Richie right. Bush, got it. Yeah. And then he had to give it back. Uh, and, and Leiner's numbers, I, I looked him up while you were talking, and uh, his numbers were almost identical year over year. Yeah. I mean, it just his, yeah. his passer rating was uh, 157 versus 156 the year before, and they yeah. were undefeated both years. So... so but before we move on, because we're yeah. talking about that, i got to throw out some names here, some guys who uh, I think, you know, we need to start talking about them uh, yeah. as far as the Heisman conversation. And uh, the first one, and uh, this actually both of these are ACC guys. Uh, the first one, shout out to your ter territory there. Drake May at North Carolina is having an outstanding season. Uh, you know, just a freshman. Um, you know, his, um, his touchdown uh, as in terms of raw numbers, he's got the same amount of touchdown passes as C.J. Stroud, same number of interceptions, so the ratio there is the same, although he's attempted more passes uh, than Stroud has. He's got a lot more, almost you know, more than 500 yards more than Stroud does, although uh, Drake May has played in one more game. Um, so far than C.J. Stroud, so, you know, that, that'll even out a little bit. Um, you know, I looked at their, uh, they have one common opponent, which was Notre Dame, and Drake May had the better numbers there, even though his team lost and C.J. Stroud's team won. Um, I, in terms of pass efficiency, it's C.J. Stroud, number one, Hendon Hooker, number two, Drake May, number three. Um, wow. He needs to get a little bit more uh, discussion, I think, when we're talking about the Heisman. And then the other one, uh, you know, just so we're not making this all about the quarterbacks, is uh, Israel Abanaconda, the running back for Pitt. Um, oh, having a great, yes. 
they've kind of uh, fallen off this year as far as a team, but he's having himself an outstanding uh, season. He's averaging 186 yards per game, total yards, which includes, because he does kickoff returns. Um, so he's, uh, you know, in terms of multi-purpose yardage, uh, he's by far leading the country. Uh, the next closest person is 20 yards behind him. That's Chase Brown, the running back at Illinois, who also isn't getting much, uh, you know, discussion in terms of the Heisman. But, uh, again, he's having an outstanding season. Well, those are some good names. And, and yes, the, um, the young fellow from Pitt has, uh, has been a workhorse in a day when – even in college, there are not that many workhorses. He's been quite the throwback for them, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I always like to make sure we, uh, you know, kind of include everybody out there in these Heisman discussions. And obviously, it's early. We're a little bit more than halfway through the season. Uh, so we got a ways to go. And, of course, you know, when you come down to the, you know, again, Hendon Hooker, you Probably a little recency bias, thanks to their big win. Yeah. C.J. Stroud uh, really hasn't had a chance to play in many big games yet. Um, you know, the Notre Dame game was kind of the biggest one they've had so far this season. Um, you know, they get Penn State. We'll see if that's uh, you know ends up being a big game or not. And then you know he he may not have a really big showcase game until the end of the season when they get their long-awaited rematch with Michigan. Right. It won't be interesting to see what he does this week. Uh, they got Iowa. Now, we, we've talked a lot about Iowa, but don't forget, they've got a very stout defense. They do. So they do. It, it'll be yeah. interesting to see what numbers he can play. Yeah. Yep. And, of course, the, uh, the other thing is, and, you know, some of it is just a testament to how deep they are at the position, but, you know, Stroud has done all of this without Jackson Smith and Jigba, other than for, you know, part of the first game of the season. It, it uh, still is a real head shaker to me that Ohio State has become wide receiver U. <laughs> like you said, Woody Hayes is rolling oh. in his grave. Oh. He, he just he can't deal with it. He just can't nope. deal with it. Well, let's segue into the oh, – well, first, before we leave the Heisman, so give me your top three in order right now. I'll go, I'll go C.J. Stroud and um, – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Drake May number two, and then Hendon Hooker three. Uh, I'm gonna go also with Stroud number one. Uh, I'm gonna go with Hooker number two and Bryce Young number three, but that that's a coin flip. But I think right now Stroud is uh, been better than the two of them, but very much an incomplete story. Like you mm -hmm. said, he he's Absolutely. got a tough stretch coming up. Yeah. Okay, well, so last week we had six games between ranked teams. This week we have to settle for only five. Uh, Jeez, yeah. I don't remember back-to-back -back weeks like that, like, ever. Uh, I don't, and of course it wasn't the week before last, but two weeks before that we had five. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know where to look this up, but, you know, I'd be interested to find out what season featured the most head-to-head -head matchups between ranked teams. Anybody out there listening who's into that sort of stuff, there's a rabbit hole you can oh. jump into if you want. I, yeah. I wouldn't know where to find that information, but uh, there's, mm. uh, it just feels like there's, you know, there just hasn't been you know, a week that doesn't feature great 
matchups. Um, you know, a lot of seasons in the past, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is a good week to go and rake leaves. Um, uh, and been that way this year. <laughs> Not this year. Well, we don't have the mega marquee matchup like we did last week with Tennessee-Alabama. But UCLA-Oregon seems to be the leading game, and that ought to be a really good game. Yeah, it's uh, not the first time, but uh, always interesting little uh, sidebar when you have Chip Kelly returning to Autzen Stadium, um, where he actually is still very revered. Um, you know, it should be. They, wow. yeah, yeah, they uh, they parted on good terms, so there is no bad blood between either the university or the fan base. Um, in fact, they gave him a standing ovation the first time he went back. I think it was twenty eighteen. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, this, on the table for this one as far as the, you know, the Pac-12 goes. Uh, both of these teams are unbeaten in conference play, um, you know, both in the top ten. Um, you know, obviously, I, you know, I, I would think UCLA, if they run the table, um, you know, they've got to be in the playoff discussion. Um, so, you know, this is a chance for Oregon to, you know, maybe knock them out here. Um, I, you know, these are two very high-scoring offenses. Both of them are a little suspect on defense, especially Oregon, although the Ducks uh, have played much better defense at home than they have on the road. Um, and speaking of that, this is only UCLA's second road game of the entire season, and mm -hmm. their only other game on the road was at Colorado. So they have not That's really been yeah. They have not been tested outside the Rose Bowl yet, okay. uh, so this um, this will be interesting. And I am uh, leaning Oregon here. Now the Ducks are a six point favorite. That seems a little wide to me. Yeah. Um, I, I I like Oregon to win, but I'm not sure about covering six points here. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a very close game. It feels like. Yeah. Uh, it's going to, you know, obviously Vegas is expecting a very high scoring game yeah. because uh, the over-under on that one, I believe, is 70, yeah, 70 and a half points. Wow. Uh, so they're expecting some fireworks, and I, I think that's probably a reasonable expectation. Well, it ought to be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility if Oregon wins that game and runs the table, which could mean a rematch with UCLA in the championship game, they might be able to sneak sure. into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that would depend a lot on you know what happens right. elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, typically in the playoff era, one loss uh, conference champions have gotten in. I think the only time that I can remember that it didn't happen was the very first one when you had TCU and Baylor, and they were both. 11 and 1 in the Big 12, and the Big 12 didn't have the conference championship game uh, yet. Uh, yes, and, I remember that. And Baylor should have won it because they beat TCU head and head, but, mm -hmm. but the consensus among everybody is TCU was the better team. So the Big 12 tried to get real clever and say, well, they're co champions. And um, that didn't work out. Ohio State got in instead. <laughs> um, but that, that's the only time I can recall that a one-loss Power 5 champion uh, was left out of the playoffs. So we still got plenty of football to be played. So, yeah, I, I mean, we shouldn't say um, Oregon is out of it yet. 
just like we shouldn't say that USC is out of it, um, right. you know, just because they lost to Utah. Or maybe we shouldn't say that Oklahoma State is out of it after their first loss. Absolutely. Uh, last week. They get Texas coming in to Stillwater this week. Um, again, that ought to be a, a fun game. Uh, Texas has played some pretty good football the last few weeks. Uh, they are, and but I don't like the line on this one. Texas, a six-and-a-half-point favorite um, on the road in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be definitely uh, pounding Oklahoma State on the spread there. Um, straight up, yeah, maybe. I, I, you know, Texas certainly has a better defense, um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to slow down Oklahoma State enough to – win by six and a half or more. I don't see that, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't see, see that it. Either. Yeah, not on the road. And, um, and, and, you know, Texas has been playing well, but Oklahoma State has been playing very well all year. Absolutely. No been, shame in losing yeah. overtime to TCU. No, no, especially on the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, Oklahoma State, they're scoring, you know, over 45 points a game. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that'll play. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm kind of scratching my head, and you know, I mean, as far as I know, Spencer Sanders and every other major player on Oklahoma State is healthy and good to go. So, I, I, I don't know about the the spread on that one, uh, but take the Cowboys. Well, let's stay take in the Cowboys at six and a half. Well, let's stay in the Big Twelve and. I wonder how many weeks you, you we talked about uh, top twenty-five matchups. How how often the same conference has had three of them in one week? And here we've got Kansas State at TCU, and you know Kansas State has been a pretty well kept secret. As, as you mentioned, that pickup against Tulane, which doesn't look now quite as bad as it did when it happened, but it's still not good. Um, yeah, yeah, losing to a G five and give the Horn Frogs a tough ball game, couldn't they? Yeah. They certainly could. Um, you know, they probably have the you know the best defense in the Big Twelve, um, and so if anybody is going to slow down TCU, they I think would have the best shot of that. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm I'm feeling that one. I I, I do like TCU to win this one at home. Um, Any chance of a letdown by TCU after that emotional game against Oklahoma State? I would feel um, stronger about that if they were having to go on the road um, at home. Uh, yeah, you know the no, no. <laughs> uh, you know the the one thing favoring Kansas State here is they did have a bye last week, okay. so that that is something to think about. Um, you know, getting that extra week to rest, recover, prepare. Um, you know, whereas TCU, as you said, did have that big, that big, uh, you know, game last week. Um, so you know that that is something to consider. I think so. You know, it's a three and a half point spread. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas State pulled it off, but I don't think they will. I think I think TCU will do it. Okay. Well, uh, let's move a little further east. Mississippi State visiting Alabama. Alabama is a 21-point favorite. You don't often see one top 25 team giving up three touchdowns to another top 25 team. But this, 
I don't know. That still feels like a yeah. even in Alabama, still feels like a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I know. The Alabama was favored by a big amount when they played Arkansas. One of the games we did had a huge point spread. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, I think Mike Leach, um, if he hasn't already, is going to be uh, trying to seek a conversation with the uh, folks at the SEC scheduling office because this is the third time in four years that Alabama is playing Mississippi State after they're coming off a loss. And, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, this one just doesn't set up well for uh, for the Bulldogs. Um, no, it doesn't. I mean, I you know, I, I get a little leery of these uh, three touchdown spreads when you're talking talking about a ranked opponent. So I don't know where I stand there, um, but I I don't see a big upset in the cards here at all. And and again, I'm on record as somebody who uh, you know thinks that you know. Mississippi State's a pretty decent team this year. Um, well, not not that good. But, well, you know, you never know because look what Texas A&M did. That's true. And, you know, you could, I don't know, you flip a coin between Mississippi State and Texas A&M, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That, maybe that was the game that had the really widespread A&M and uh, Alabama. That, that could be. That, 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 that had to be. That was probably close to a three-touchdown spread. I'd have to look it up, though. But... We, we, we discussed the game with an enormous spread, and I'm like, yeah, man, I, I, I don't like these games. Well, and I think that, you know, somebody coming in there after Alabama loses is bad. But even if Alabama had won last week, coming off of 17 penalties, those guys are going to be glad to get somebody to hit. Yeah, <laughs> probably, they're yeah. They're, they're, they're uh, taking out their frustrations. Yeah, uh, because I'm sure, cause I'm sure Nick Saban has not made this week very pleasant no. for them. No, he said some nice words after the game, but well, that's that for pub- that's, that's for public consumption. Yeah. You know, we're we're talking about what is not for public consumption. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I had a curious game here. Our, our last top twenty-five matchup: Syracuse at Clemson. Uh, of course, what's most curious is that Syracuse somehow is still undefeated. Yeah, well. Well, I think they were, you know, they, they've had a light schedule, and yeah. then um, they were helped last week. They got NC State at home with Devin Leary done for the season, unfortunately. But um, without Devin Leary, um, you know, they were able to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, I mean, Syracuse has a pretty good defense. Um, so, you know, this this might be a lower scoring game um we'll see you know dj uyangalale is having a terrific season because uh you know he's um much more dynamic now than he was last year when he was mostly trying to just be a pocket passer and he's running a lot more and it's working um you know i i don't see an upset coming here um however you know we've got a 13 and a half point spread on this one um, I see this as a potentially low-scoring game, which uh, doesn't necessarily favor wide spreads. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I might give thought to uh, Syracuse getting 13 and a half. That'll be one the readers can check with you when you do your... That's why, yes. Friday, right? Go to Baltimore Sports and Life Friday morning, and uh, it will be there. 
and I, I do go on the record, and my uh, record this year is not pretty, at least as against the spread. I'm, I'm literally one game above 500, so barely treading water. But um, if you like my straight-up picks, I'm doing, my, you know, I'm probably about 70% there. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And we got some stuff right last week. We did, we did. Yeah, we got some stuff I, wrong, too. We... <laughs> I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go. I, you know, I, I, I did have Alabama straight up, and I was almost uh, that. That was almost prophetic. I, I did have tennis. I had Tennessee covering the spread, which they did. So even if Alabama had made that field goal and won the game, I would have uh, come out uh, correct on both ends there. But I, yeah, I'm not. I didn't. So uh, that's the breaks. Them's the breaks. Yeah. So, well, the good thing is anybody that, that loses based on your picks, you're going to cover the losses, right? <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about some other games, Jim. Um, you know, the, the, the beyond, beyond the ranked uh, teams yeah, this week. the sound short out there a little bit. Yeah, okay. You know, um, actually, you know, it, it's not very deep schedule-wise. Once you get past the five that we talked about, or actually six, if you want to throw in that uh, Ole Miss LSU game, the one game that kind of stands out to me as you know maybe just kind of something to keep an eye on is uh, Minnesota at Penn State. Um, both of them had tough weeks last week, and there's. Some things going on here with Penn State that kind of mirror what happened to them last year. If you recall, they were 5-0, and and I think they were ranked 5th at the time, and they went on the road to Iowa. And in that game, Sean Clifford got knocked out with an injury, Penn State lost, and their season kind of tailspun from there. Yeah, they ended up off. losing five of their last seven games. Yeah. Well, fast forward to this year, they're 5-0, and they were ranked, 10th, not 5th, but they go on the road to Michigan. Sean Clifford gets knocked out of the game with an injury. They lose. So what's going to happen here? Um, I haven't heard what Clifford's status is. Um, he did come back the very next week um, last year, but that was that game against Illinois, that weird game that went to like eight overtimes. Oh, yeah. And they ended up losing, you know. And Illinois, was a, Illinois was a sub-500 team. Um, so... Yeah, kind of. I'm kind of interested to see what happens to Penn State from here on out. As far as Minnesota goes, um, you know they might be without their quarterback too. Tanner Morgan um, got carted off the field last week, and um, but they do say he's he's day to day. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I <laughs> if I if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Good, good, good. Checking Here we right go. Now, yeah. And uh, so, you know, it'll um, this will be a curious game to watch. And then, of course, you know, got to mention uh, Talia Tagovailoa, who himself, much like Tanner Morgan, carted off the field uh, yeah. last week, um, re-aggravated a sprained knee. And, uh, but they say he's day-to-day. We'll see. I would personally sit him out for Northwestern, and then they get a bye next week. So, he, you know, he'd get a good three weeks of rest before they have to go to Wisconsin. Hey, you know, the, if some of the bowl projections coming out, now again, who knows, right? There's so much football to play. But some of them have Maryland playing at the uh, Duke's, Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. So uh, hmm. I might have an opportunity to go see Maryland in a bowl game. That's a battle. Well, very good, game. yeah. Uh, not uh, bad. Saturday afternoon, 
noon. So okay, yeah, the day perfect. Up and back, yeah. So perfect. then, then they get to see the winning coach get dumped with a bucket of mayonnaise. That's what they do. Wonderful. That must be gross. fun. It's gross. It really yeah. is. Another game I've got my eye on this week, Mike, is Kansas at Baylor. Um, I'm curious to see now that Kansas has lost a couple of games, what are they going to do? You know, mm-hmm. Have the wheels come off for them? And then Baylor has also been disappointing. Now yep. they got a chance to, to get back. I don't know if they're going to get in detention for the Big 12, but you know, the first thing they got to get a bowl game. And uh, you know, both, both teams really need a win in that game. It would be interesting to see who comes out of it with one. Yeah. And I I haven't heard if Jalen Daniels is he supposed supposed to be back for Kansas. I've not heard. Okay. Now his backups played pretty well. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Yeah. So, um, well, it ought to be another exciting week of college football. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Appalachian State watch. They are playing. Uh, Actually, getting ready to kick off here as we record this. They got a Wednesday night game against uh, Georgia State. Now, Appalachian State is only three and three, but still six and six gets you in a bowl game somewhere somehow, even if it's like practically after Thanksgiving. That's right. So, uh, I don't know if you saw the NFL is going to be crowding into uh, college territory a little bit next year. That's right. They're going to speaking of Thanksgiving, they're going to have a Black Friday afternoon game on Amazon. That's right, yeah, and you know Amazon's got to love that, having a lot of people uh, using their, either on their website or their app on Black yeah. Friday. Yeah, hey, maybe uh, I'll buy something while I'm here. Oh, what a coincidence. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm already on Amazon watching football. But, yeah, they're kind of tiptoeing right up against the line of what they're allowed to do there with the yeah. Sports Broadcasting Act, because uh, I think it's uh, up until the second weekend in December... On Fridays, they're only allowed to do games that end. Um, they either, ha- I think, the game either has to be over by or at least mostly over by 6 p.m. Yeah, and, and so with, three o'clock kickoff. And it's a three o'clock kickoff, so they'll they'll right, just get right in under the wire. wire. Yeah. yeah. So and and by the way, they got to fix those Thursday night games. They have been so awful. Oh, they're atrocious. They had a nice one to start, you know, with the Chiefs oh, and yeah. the Chargers. That was a great game, and uh, it's, I don't think this week's going to get any better. You got New Orleans and Arizona, and uh, neither of them have been very good this year. Well, the week after is Ravens at Tampa, so we'll see. That's, okay, it, well, it could yeah. only be better, although I'm you not know, sure it'll be better. Well, I can tell you how that's going to go. Ravens will jump out to a nice big lead, and then they'll choke it away. Oh, don't, don't. So, don't. Um, it hurts. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, well, in, in my latest column on uh, BSL, I write about the AFC North and how each of the teams could win it or each of the teams could finish last. I think that's the kind of division it is this year, which is yeah. kind of, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, except Cleveland. I don't really think Cleveland Okay. They theoretically have a chance. But anyway, so just give myself a plug there. Um, but anyway, that will wrap up our college football talk for the week. Uh, we are loving this season. And, uh, you know, Maryland can – if Maryland wins, Saturday, that's their sixth win, right? Yep. Sixth win, they will be bowl eligible. eligible. It will be the first time they've been bowl eligible before November since uh, 2010, which was Ralph Friedgen's last year. Wow, yeah, there's a lot that actually surprised at that reason. So, uh, yeah, that one year they bubbled back up and then went right back down. Yeah. Yep. 
So, uh, well, hope everybody enjoys uh, another great week of football. And uh, we will be back here next week to talk about it and to preview what we hope will be another exciting week of football and rinse and repeat. So can't guarantee you five more ranked teams, uh, games with ranked teams, but we'll do the best we can. So uh, until then, thanks a lot for listening. See you next week.